0: i listen to the black guy who tips podcast because rod and karen are
1: hot hey welcome to another episode of the black Out tips podcast i'm your host rod joined as always by my co-host karen and we are live on a sunday morning ready to do some podcast and find us wherever you listen to podcasts just search the black guy who tips you can also watch us live on crowdcast.io um you know that's in the show notes if you ever want to see us and people like our illustrious guest uh today's guest is author podcaster uh, uh, the, uh you may have actually read poet you may have read some of his work uh, on the root or the griot uh you may have seen him on cable news explaining shit to these white folks is black twitter legend michael Harriet? what's going on brother
2: i'm good man man thank you for having me i'm glad to be here uh, i feel like it's everything it's full circle
0: now that i'm on the black
1: guy who (laughs) took oh Oh, man well we appreciate you coming man um i feel like uh we've read so much of your work on the show just like covering race and articles and stuff you know i feel like uh especially from a funny angle because we cover race from a, a comedic angle all the time and i always used to be like man i don't know who this dude is but these are like the funniest like uh, not in the homophobic way, but the like sassiest, like, like funniest, sassiest like takes on things. And I used to always be cracking up reading your uh, your work, man. So, le- the first thing I gotta ask though is like, how did you even get started in like writing like that? Like, is that something you love from an early age, or is it something like uh, you kind of fell into? Uh,
2: yeah. So my mom was always a writer, mm-hmm. and uh, I initially went to. school to college to major in film uh, but then I so this is how old I am, it's going to trip you out so I was on, I a, a, a interned I was a PA on Howard Stern's private parts wow, okay how old school yeah, and I was like uh, man, this ain't for me this is, <laughs> this is way too uh, too collaborative for me, and so when it was time for me to go to grad school I, uh, I I was go I was already accepted into Florida State's film school, but I switched to uh, macroeconomics. Mm. Uh, so I um, I taught, and my mom was a writer, so I always wrote. But all of the jobs I ever had required me to write, and then I got into journalism, covering uh, education and uh, every. I mean, I worked at an HBCU. Uh, Benedict College in South Carolina and basically wrote everything from the institution and so I just always had this always had jobs that required me to write Mm. and uh, and when the Washington Post company owned like Newsweek and all of that, they asked me to write an article about, remember on I don't know, it might still be on when like any channel that old people watch like fox news yeah they would always have these gold commercials yeah I remember. buy gold mm-hmm. yeah, put all they, your they money still in come gold on. when they asked me to write a, when they write they asked me to write as a economist about why everybody was buying gold mm. and in my explanation it was like God, wow you can really write and uh i started writing as a freelance and just went on from bit
1: oh man that's that's a dope story man I, now I don't know how you were raised but I was raised in the black tradition of my parents were like get a good job good if, me job if you want to do something artistic you can do it on the side but your mom being a writer was was she of that same mindset or was, was she, she more, more like no, pursue this pursue this writing goal
2: so my mom was, was uh I, I had a crazy upbringing man mm. so I was raised in like a borderline religious fundamentalist mm. uh, Pentecostal cult. Mm, right? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But my mom was really, really progressive. She was, uh like, so my mom's side of the family is old school, like, in the movement from the Black power side. My father's side of the family was uh old school in the movement from the, like, Like, my uncle, my father's brother was the long-time field director of the NAACP, was Jim Clyburn's uh, chief of staff from, like, in the 60s. uh, Like, was like, Bakari Sellers family and my... uh, If you know about Bakari Sellers' Mm -hmm. father's story, and my family have been friends before we even knew each other. So, um, I was homeschooled. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, My mom... And I just really recently found this out when I was writing a book, when I was writing a book, of kind of, not a memoir, but just it had stories about my life. And I asked my mom why she homeschooled us. And she said, well, I didn't believe that a black child can realize their humanity in the presence of whiteness. So she homeschooled us. Wow. And so, so I was just raised, In a black neighborhood around black people in a blackity black family. And so I really didn't have any context of whiteness. Mm -hmm. And when I I started going to school, I was like, yeah, I got to learn about white people. (laughs) And so I look at, yeah, I look at whiteness from the angle of like almost like an outsider. Like, because if you look at it objectively, like some of the stuff that we just accept is crazy on its face. Mm -hmm. And so I think, uh, like, a lot of my upbringing had a lot to do with that.
1: Yeah, I can see that, man. And, like, I guess, like, so, coming from the religious, conservative kind of angle, is there, like, are they proud of your work? Or is it, like, or do they, like, are they, like, this too worldly for us? Or, (laughs) or like, how's that work?
2: Yeah, I think they're proud because, again, because of the way I raised, my mom was always, like, questioning everything. Mm -hmm. So, I was the kid who would stand up in church and say, "Hey, like I don't think that's what the Bible is saying, mm-hmm. or I don't think that's what we should be doing. Why are we doing this? Like, why are we doing this?" And so they were, always knew me as a rebel, right? And so I think everybody kind of knew that I was gonna be um, out in the world uh, doing heathen, uh, heathen things. So <laughs> they, uh, they were like, "Yeah, you know."
1: When did you realize that we just like- go let him be? When did you realize it was like you felt like this is a cult? Like when does that something you come to later in life or is this something you realize early in life?
2: Uh I think I came to a slow realization. <laughs> um but it's like the real, real realization of cult cultishness was probably well, first of all, like we couldn't do stuff like go to the movies mm. or so we worship uh the seventh day sabbath so like we couldn't mm. iron clothes or Ooh. uh like 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 the saturday, the orthodox yeah. jews like you can't mm. on saturday you can't watch tv you can't drive. you can't um iron your clothes mm. you can't like any of that right like that wow. was much of, like like you'll hear somebody get up and give a testimony like like i was about to run out of gas on the way to church and i prayed on my car and i made it and i was like you could have just because <laughs> if you believe in a Right, a forgiving God, you could have just add, got some gas and then asked for forgiveness for forgetting the, yeah. the gas or committing a sin if it's a sin, right? But, so, applying those logic to those situations, I was like, I always thought, like, a lot of this don't make no sense. Right. And I, I eventually realized um, that, like, oh, it was a cult. So, it never made any logical sense to me, mm-hmm. but I think I was older when I realized, oh, it was a cult. And right. saw like it was a lot of that stuff was controlled devices
1: Mm -hmm. it's weird too because I I, I always wonder how stuff like that makes it into a religion when like a car didn't exist in the bible but somehow within a religion people made it to like you know whatever year it is and we were like well, God wouldn't want me to put gas in my car if it was, you know, Saturday or whatever. It feels like a, a weird extension of, of like this what God must have been thinking. He didn't write it down, but like I know him enough to know that I shall have to walk the rest of the way to church. <laughs> if running out. Yeah, and, and,
2: and then you get the uh then you get the other side of it right where mm-hmm. a lot of that is because people are discouraged from critical thinking and challenging right. and, uh stuff. Yes. So, And so, if, like, my mom raised us to think critically, and she never discouraged us from asking questions, right? Right. So, a lot of it didn't make sense. And so, she eventually came to the conclusion, like, when I was a teenager, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't have to do Mm. it anymore, because I can see that you can't comport the two things and and make them make sense to yourself, and I ain't going to force this religion on you. Right. So, she basically, you know, surrendered to it, and um, and I realized. But I think a lot of it, like, just it's just like America, right? Like, it wasn't no uh, cause when they wrote the Constitution, right? Exactly. Like, so we still adhere to our a, a constitution, just like people fundamentalist Christians adhere to the Bible, right? Like when Clarence Thomas calls himself a uh, originalist, right. he's talking about he's a a, a white supremacist founder. of fundamentalist right he's a Mm -hmm. he's a he's a america pentecostal yep yep and all of that stuff doesn't make sense 250 20 to 76 years later when none of that stuff existed yeah um you know you can't you can't interpret affirmative action in the constitution and whether it should be race-based based based on a constitution written when black people were 40 percent less of a human than white people (laughs)
1: yeah i always i always wanted to see like a sketch uh or write a sketch that was about because everybody always calls on the founding fathers like it's like a religion in america and i always want to do a sketch of like you get a time machine you bring the founding fathers to 2023 and instead of us even getting into these deep pontificating questions that we've talked about with race and the second amendment and shit we they're just like out they're just like fucking uh astounded by running water and right. a plane and like the internet and, like like running we never cars. like like we just kind of show like like i just want to illustrate like we're asking these motherfuckers who never saw any of this stuff these super we're pinning everything on their decisions and i just want to like show them like like a black person just getting on a train and them being like why is that nigger free or whatever and you're like exactly we don't need to be beholden to these limited motherfuckers uh 200 years later
2: i remember when uh when dave Chappelle got the mark twain award and he said i believe if Mark twain was here today he would say pick up my bag nigga.'"
0: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah.
1: i always like that joke i always thought he had an underrated joke where he was talking about the founding fathers writing the constitution He's like, he's like, we find these truths to be self-evident. Give me a sandwich, nigger. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, exactly, man. These people own slaves and we are still asking them about the questions about freedom. And we're, we're letting people be on the Supreme Court that feel beholden to the ideas of white men from 200 years ago and their idea of freedom is, is fucking frustrating. I was, I got to ask too, what was it, what is it like writing about race in a, age of you know like we're anti-CRT and like it feels like people are literally trying to erase black history as others are doing the research and we're finding out more than ever about black history
2: yeah so part of it man is again going back to that upbringing when you learn history outside of the american public education system you realize like nobody really don't know shit about black history. Like that's really how those black history Twitter threads got started because a lot of the stuff we believe we just is just assumptions that white people taught us from their perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Like for instance, the idea that all, like most slaves lived on plantations, right? Like we when we picture slavery, we picture plantations mm-hmm. in the south where most people most enslaved people weren't on plantations, right? Mm-hmm. So it's something crazy, and I realize that we don't really know about history. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that white people who make laws who also don't know about history. I remember a couple of years ago, I did this uh, article where I looked went, uh, went back and looked up the history books that the senators used who were opposed who were anti-CRT, mm-hmm. and I realized. I was like they were just lost cause white people, right? And yep. a lot of it makes sense when you realize and look at it from that perspective.
1: Yes, daughters of the Confederacy shit to me um and I don't think the erasure of black history is anything new. Mm-hmm. I think one one of the big obstacles and I, I don't know how how you handle it or whatever, but one of the big obstacles too is a lot of times I feel like black people also feel like we don't want to confront that history oh wait do we do we lose them yeah oh there he is okay sorry you froze for a second Um, but yeah emotionally yeah. sometimes I feel like black people are also like they don't mean to serve this goal obviously but like in our pursuit of like I don't want no more slavery movies or why we got to keep writing them I feel like sometimes it aligns with the ron desantis angle like he'll i'm not saying it's the same impetus but he'll take it you know like yeah yeah y'all don't want to see it either right let's get it out of the history books and teach white kids they feelings are the most important things in the world
0: right because the results are in my opinion the results are are the same how do did do you how do you deal with all the knowledge and the wisdom that you've learned over the years and and not lose your mind with the pushback of ignorant people just talking to you all types of ways when you know what you know.
2: Yeah, so I used to teach a class, well, a part of it is, I used to teach a class called uh, Race as an Economic Construct, where instead of looking at race from, you know, we call it a social construct, but it's really an economic construct. Race was created wholly as, um, and when I say economic, I don't mean money right Mm -hmm. but race is a capitalist idea right um because whiteness is finite right there's only a certain number of white people um in the world and it is unobtainable to the people who don't have it and so when you look at it from an economic construct and just use facts right you don't really get in a lot of arguments because they can like people will confront you with their opinion and you say yeah but this is thing and this is the thing and this is the truth and this is a fact and Mm -hmm. 1 plus 1 equals 2 and even if they feel the way they feel and even if they refuse to accept your facts like you realize oh I'm arguing facts against people's feelings and Mm -hmm. you really can't do that Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is also that I feel like part of what I do is not even trying to explain it to white people but I feel like the reason I do what I do is to make black people feel like they ain't crazy because it's a lot of stuff right. that we think and we know already and they will almost fool you like oh we must be wrong that stuff I know must be wrong or the stuff we feel must be wrong mm-hmm. and so I don't even but again back to that, that education and how I grew up right I don't really consider white people all that often like I don't even right. think about them and what they feel, because I don't know them that well, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so I know this. Like this country will gas like you were making you think that something. Because again, you got to remember with the original question you asked, most of us were raised in that same white system that taught yep. white people that you know the slaves were on plantations and they were happy slaves and <laughs> when they saved yep. us from Africa and black black people sold slaves too and very few white people own slaves like you know yep. so I understand that we are raised in the same education system that those dumb white people are raised in. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think innately black kids know that. I remember when I was in school and during Black History Month, I used I used to hate black history month in, as a kid mm-hmm. in school because it would always key on like you know like you play eyes on, on the, the prize. prize oh my god uh you uh you know there was a lot of like you know woe is me stuff they only taught you like this you could use the same like six uplifting black people stories you know like, i
0: call them pre-approved blacks if you ain't yeah. no black list, <laughs> they not gonna talk about your ass yeah <laughs> and, and so
1: i i remember i used to did i didn't like it when i was like a kid but my parents were very heavy on like Let's go get some books. let's read you some other stuff and I would go I love the things I read outside of school about black history and about blackness. and I think I just developed a um I kind of developed a callous in a way because I think when you're talking about black history, you're talking about a lot of traumatic stuff that happened to us, right but I don't have any i and I've never felt any shame in it since I was a kid because I don't it's something that happened to us. the people that should be ashamed are obviously the people that did things to like how you gonna tell a story of slavery and be like you know who's ashamed the black people it's like what <laughs> what the fuck so i i, I always kind of rejected that but i think a lot of people still are stuck in that shame and it can make it kind of hard to do the work that you're doing um and especially when you're doing it so publicly on like black twitter mm-hmm. so do you have like a subsection of black people that are like that, that's enough mike we talk about something else or, or is every you know have have you mostly experienced uh support because i i've always assumed the white people would be mad but as i'm like you i don't really cater to white folks i don't care
2: yeah so there's there's always a few of those people but um i don't i like i don't really like scan through my replies and okay. into right. the responses I, a I lot blame so you. i can't judge what the uh what the average person thinks um mm-hmm. uh, but the truth is right, like I know that the, there are some of those people, but whenever I encounter some of those people right I, I have to I give them grace because I realize the world we live in, like like all of us be trying to survive whiteness, and that's just a coping mechanism right. to adopt the tenets of whiteness right, and to be mad at people like like they like the white people. They mad at me and maybe that gets, they might think that gets them closer in proximity to whatever they're trying to reach. Mm. So, you know, I don't even really I can I understand like the white people are dumb and then it kind of is profitable to be as dumb as a white person dumb. sometimes or to emulate whiteness sometimes. Right. It'll it get some people think that'll get them further.
1: Yeah, I always like I remember when uh, the TV show Underground came out um, I which I, I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember before it even had a air episode air, Snoop Dogg was like, man, why we always got slavery movies and TV shows? And I'm like, Snoop Dogg, name two other slavery shows. Like, <laughs> like, like a man that, that spent a lot of his life, you know, uh, doing things that people felt like promoting ne- things that people felt was negative towards the black community is like, Okay, but, but y'all making a show about black people trying to uh, escape slavery, too, that's too far, okay? Now, if y'all want to listen to these pimp albums, come on back. I always thought that was funny, like, <laughs> the, the cognitive dissonance that people have, but I think it, it does, I do have more grace for black people, obviously, than white folks that, that, that have that, because I think it does come from trying to uh, cope with the trauma, man. And I, I, as a person in America that's dealt with that trauma and deals with that trauma on a daily basis, I can at least relate to that, as opposed to your Ron DeSantis, like, shut the fuck up, ain't no slavery, y'all, now get back into your, uh, now get back on no cotton fields, you know, like, I feel like that's a different vibe. (laughs) Um,
2: Oh, yeah, man. I I loved I loved Underground, too, man. I thought, I was wondering why that didn't win, like, all the Emmys. Right! That was one of the best shows So good! But the other one that year, the other one that year that did, I Will Destroy You and and yeah. uh, Underground should have won, like, everything that year.
1: Love those shows, yes, man.
0: particularly with Underground. As somebody, uh, I, I kind of pick at Roger. I call, Roger was kind of the woke kid among, you know, between me and him. So he knew <laughs> a lot of this shit and read before the Mayflower and all that stuff. Me, no. You know, and it's more of uh, my parents, like a lot of black parents, they just trying to get you through the school system. Mm -hmm. and they're working two jobs overnight and all that shit so they don't really have the. some parents are actually black parents don't have the luxury nor the time uh, because of white supremacy they actually teach you and and be concerned about those type of things when they're just trying to get you to school uh, keep the lights on keep you fed and all that type of stuff so I went through the school system not knowing a lot of things so when I get introduced to things like underground and all these things lot of these things are new to me and it's one of those things to where i am grateful for black people that knows this shit to give black people grace that don't because you have a lot of black people they kind of want to shame black people for not knowing when you know the system is rigged and you know the system is fucked up (laughs) to not teach these people these things i think it's
1: interesting though because i feel like that's an insecurity that people carry with them i don't know how much that is actually like carried out in real life like i think of the people that want to educate other folks typically come with love towards other black people but i think it's an insecurity like y'all are gonna shame me for not knowing this i remember when we talked about underground on the podcast before it came out and i remember the trailer came out and i was like i want to see this shit what the fuck when did this come out you know and, you know, we talked about Snoop Dogg and stuff, but there was like apprehension at first from you too being like, it was like, oh, what, like, oh, it's about slavery. What is this going to be about? Da, da, da. And I remember being like, man, it's black people in charge. This is what we've been asking for. We don't want, like, when people talk about not wanting stuff about slavery or oppression, a lot of times it was like through the lens of white Hollywood yes. and white decision makers. And so black people within the industry, when we fight to get our hands on our own stories, and tell our stories from our perspective i always feel like that's when the, we need to give grace give it a chance and a lot of times that's when you find out oh i i don't like i don't dislike this this is actually like underground was one of those things i was like yo i love this what is this what we, how can we get more of this and it was clearly because black people were telling that story about black trauma through the lens of blackness and that was that felt so much different
0: yes uh, particularly for those of you that haven't seen Underground. Yeah. go ahead I'm sorry baby
2: yeah I was just going to echo what he said right because in that and you have to also realize like the people who are in those boardrooms the white people who are in those boardrooms they, they like they only seen like three kinds of black people right mm-hmm. like the slavery the civil rights movement where they wear skinny ties and suits <laughs> Martin, right? or like the Cosby show, right? right? And so their concept of blackness is like they ain't never seen no sci-fi, mm. they have never seen any uh, you know, no Afropunk type stuff, so they're only going to green light these shows and I, I, people often think like, why do we keep making these slavery shows when black people are making all kinds of shows and they only picking the slavery shows right. to go on TV Right, not that there's anything wrong with the slavery shows, but you got to realize, like, like I, I remember talking to Reginald Hudlin, and and about house party, and he says, "Oh, you know why?" And he told, like, this is an interesting, uh, concept that he told me. I hope I ain't giving away a secret. He's saying, "Oh, you know why? Like, you can be, how you could be successful. All you gotta do is just make a movie or a TV show and just show all the different kinds of black people, and black people will love it." Right, mm. like all you got to do is put, like you think about *House Party, right? It was mm-hmm. the thugs, and it was the middle class black people, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was all the diaspora of black people on a block, right? In that movie, and that's why we loved it, right? And but white people don't get to see that, right? And so when they're making these, they only got like four slots for black people. One <laughs> got to be a slave. Show. <laughs> One got to be, you know. Uh, something about how black people overcame right and mm-hmm. the other one got might be something that's interesting or revolutionary.
1: Right, yeah. Uh it's gotta be a drug dealing show. Yeah. Karen, were you gonna say something earlier? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I was gonna say one thing about uh Underground uh and why I was very hurt that it didn't get a didn't get a second season. It got a second season, didn't get, get a third, third season. Yeah. One reason why I was hurt about the third season is because they got into Harriet Tubman. Yeah. And it was going to be interesting to see like where they took that particular character mm-hmm. and cuz I wanted to learn um more about her. Mm-hmm. You know, um because truth be told, everybody's not going to pick up a history book. And that's the truth. And so a lot of people they get their history through entertainment. And so when people are introduced to things it causes them to go want to read and google and research and all that stuff stuff that they wouldn't have been inclined or pushed to do on their own yeah and so but somebody like me it opened up my eyes you know to these things and like you said before it is it is a self insecurity you know that i have that i'm projecting yeah you know but that's you know that's kind of how you feel because you're like well god i didn't know am i supposed to know this i know and i begin to say what the fuck is wrong with me but it's not me
1: yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure (laughs) um and some of it is external like like i'm not saying there's no black people that act like that but the vast majority of black people that know about black history aren't like walking around like the rest of you niggas right. living in ignorance. I'm, you know, like most black yeah. people want, they want you to join them. They're like, Hey man, come check this out. Read this book. Did you see this article? Like it's not a, like a, you a bad black person. But I think <laughs> right. internally you start feeling like, am I a bad black yeah, person? You feel insufficient. Cause I don't know this stuff. And I, I think, um, a lot of it is also just emotional. Like it, I, I i think learning about black history reading so much black history stuff early on in my life i just developed a little bit more of a callous than most people so like i can read about something traumatic and and in, in not like it not saying this is a good thing but i can read about something traumatic and it just doesn't hit me the same way because it's like i know this kind of shit was happening i feel validated by reading about it and knowing like that's when i'm Ride down a North Carolina highway, and there's a little bit of fear in my bones. I know ancestrally in my DNA where that comes from, because I know these stories now. And I think to me it felt validating, and to some people, it's just they live in the the fear of the. It's like, oh, this happened. I'd rather not even know it happened. But I think a lot of times that can aid white supremacy in us not knowing so it like we're looking at shit like it's new when it it ain't new uh we're th- you know all this stuff that's happened with the supreme court is stuff that's happened before yes. Um but if you don't if you're not taught it in school and you're afraid of learning about it outside of school you just end up feeling overwhelmed like how is this happening but uh, to me i feel like i know how this is happening and i know what's gonna happen next
0: yeah and also i think with michael and what he puts out in the thing particularly on black twitter on social media people pick up on that thing and it's a challenge to people and i think that's why people flock to you because i'm be like oh what are you talking about oh this is interesting oh, well, you, these are well
1: this is the other thing i was gonna say with mike and I'll, this is my next question for you how did you develop your sense of humor because that's how i do it i de- i think if you deliver it through a comic lens
0: right. it's
1: easier for people to absorb and I
0: don't feel like they Um them.
1: and I feel like in a lot of ways with your threads and your articles um, that's how you deliver it what What was the impetus behind that
2: yeah so uh, you know David Young said this uh, and so I can't take credit for it but you know, black people, we joke around, like we joke around at funerals, mm-hmm. we joke around in the backyard. Like, you know, with some civil people at the civil rights marching, <laughs> you know, saying, hey, hey, look at this, look at so and so shoes. Yeah. You know, he, he need to uh, stop marching for freedom and start marching for, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> we just joke around like that. And so, a lot of what I do is, again, not include humor, but just not remo- remove the humor that we already see, right? Because we got to restrain ourselves from making jokes sometimes, right? Mm. And so um, that's... that's, And then that goes back, going back to what Karen said, right? Like, when you make it entertaining, when you don't include that humor, it doesn't just make people... When you include that humor, it doesn't just make people not uh, read it more or absorb it better, Mm. but it makes it more relatable because it feels like something you would have said sitting on the back pew yeah. in church, right. right? It feels like something you would have heard at a cook- at, at a cookout. And so I think it makes us, it's, it's a way that we because it's the way really that we communicate with each other mm-hmm. um, through humor, through kind of processing that trauma into not kind of limiting ourselves in what we say. That's the one thing, like if there is a black privilege, is that we can say anything to each other, yeah, and we know, like, oh, yeah, and like I think that I don't know if, if does y'all know does your audience know that you're working on this show that comes out Tuesday? Yeah,
1: yeah, Dra- Drapedomaniac, yeah, they know I'm working on it. I've been talking about writing uh, behind the scenes for a while. Um, uh, told them about the trailer. Uh, yeah, let the, we could definitely talk about that as well. I'm gonna, we're gonna get into that for sure.
2: Yeah, but see that that's that's one of the things that. I thought was it would be an interesting way to take on history with what we're doing right mm-hmm. um, and I, like I, I always struggle to explain exactly what it is because I mean I when people say you've never seen anything like this I really have never like I listen to podcasts all of the time mm-hmm. and I don't know if I've heard or seen anything like this like what we're doing and I think it is an interesting take on history to just be to just do it how we relate to each other
1: yeah um so drape the maniacs Unshackled history is the podcast we're working on um uh it's dropping like like two it's dropping like tuesday right like it's it's coming out this week i believe tuesday, man. yeah like i can't believe this we've been working on this thing for a couple months uh at least for me and they've been working on it even longer than that
2: and where do you find it
1: you can find it everywhere you find podcasts uh i'll put a link to it in the show notes as well Um, first of all can you tell people what the definition of drapetomania is because I know people are wondering like what What does this mean
2: yeah so in 1851 this doctor in New Orleans came up with this like he voted in a medical journal and it was published and it became a thing that there was a disease a mental disorder that caused black people to want to be free and it was called drapetomania and he believes that like if you could and it's and the phrase isn't common mm-hmm. but this the result of it is popular when you hear the phrase whip the devil out of someone that's where this comes from like he be- believed like you could whip the devil out of him um, and that is the cure for tomania and he and in a journal article he was like like you could take him to the border state, right next to a free state, if you use this technique that I thought you gotta whip the devil out of them, you know, the Negroes are natural knee benders and you gotta, but the Drakedomania makes, gets, puts the devil in them. You gotta whip it out of them and you can take them to a, a border state and they won't even try to escape because you got that Drakedomania out of them. Right. And so Ooh. the concept of the show wow. is that throughout history, there were always black people who were mm-hmm. um, and that's what the word
0: means mm-hmm. wow that is that is a lot like um ooh that, yeah that word is a lot cause uh, I don't know nobody they want to be owned by nobody and I don't and when you ask white people white people get scared because they like I don't want to be treated like them niggas well bitch you knew it was wrong because you don't, you don't want to be somebody else's property
1: <laughs> yes, you know what, what I'm fun, saying like funny, you, you want to be free it's funny living in a country that literally is the reason that we tell ourselves it's a country is that um well that white people tell us that it's a country is that they wanted their freedom right and not and they weren't talking about slavery they were just talking about oppressive taxes like tea party yeah they were like yeah they original (laughs) the original spillers of the tea the white folks um but then had the nerve to be like enslaving black people totally different that's like that's like owning a dog that's not even close to the same to the point where you come up with such a ridiculous concept as drapedomania uh (laughs) just to say like these white people these black people are crazy they come up something must be wrong with this negro he want to be free um and then to think that those are the arbiters of history those are the people who've always told the stories yes and the reason that things are handed down to today to where we think certain things that black people do to be free are quote-unquote crazy um but the other thing about this show and i don't, don't get it twisted man it's gonna be funny like we're writing the stuff now uh, it's all coming together we're recording some of it and i think the spoonful of sugar of humor helps with the stories and also just if you guys knew how much work and thought is going into making sure that the perspectives that are being addressed in the in the show are for black people first and foremost and by black people first and foremost um I think that's what's gonna separate this show from so many other podcasts but I think Michael's right I listen to a ton of podcasts as well I haven't heard anything really like this Mm-mm. um and we're not just it's not just gonna be like Michael sitting and narrating and telling you the whole story we're gonna have guests that come in that 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 do roles there's acting here voice acting There's skits uh sketches uh all kinds of stuff man it's it's i really uh am like proud of this project and i'm also really optimistic about uh how how good and how fun it's gonna be man um how did this project come about michael like what was the what was the inception of the
2: idea and all that stuff so uh during during the pandemic right somehow i don't like you know famous people ride, uh, right like Famous people could just they they could just get a phone number, right? And just like I don't know, they got a magic uh address book that they could just get somebody's and phone. They wanna reach you, they and will so Pharrell find like one day I was like Yeah. I was at McDonalds and Pharrell called me. And so we developed kind of a a friendship over the pandemic and it wasn't about like we really never talked about business or of course I ain't gonna talk to Pharrell about music cause like, <laughs> like why would you talk like this like to me like talk talking to Jordan about his post moves you know when I'm in the post Jordan and uh, I, I would spin you know I like to spin right <laughs> because, so we just talk about whatever man Right. and so one day we were talking about like ideas and I was telling him About the idea for this podcast, and he was like, "Man, we should do it." And I was like, "Yeah, but I mean, it it would be harder to do than any other podcast the way I have it." But mine was like, "Yeah, but we should still do it, right?" And so, like, maybe a week later, he had me uh, with our executive producer Nalika, and we were recording the pilot, like what you'll hear on Tuesday. We recorded that at like three years ago, maybe four years ago. Wow. And we remastered it and kind of re-recorded some stuff, but we we sat on it and said, yeah, well, we're able to do this. We're going to do it. And Sony was on board immediately. So for the past three years, like Pharrell has been just basically like waiting for me like you ready to do this thing and I was like yeah I got this book thing working on now and then hey I got this other project that I'm working on now and then I started writing for the Amber Ruffin show and it was a bunch of stuff but every couple months he'd be like hey Mike y'all ready to do this thing and so when he finally asked and we were ready we put it together and the the thing Rob was saying about you know um, putting this show together the thing I think I'm, most pr- I'm proudest of is all of the stuff that we talk about about how Hollywood could be doing this. They could hire more black writers. Mm-hmm. They could have a, a room that is more inclusive. They could have a room where people could speak up. They could have a room where people could object to something and people wouldn't be afraid to say we did that shit. Like we really did that shit. Yeah. Right? Like it ain't no white hands on this thing. And it's not, not just diverse in terms of uh you know black people but it is you know gay and straight and queer and all spectrums of the gender and sexuality and mm-hmm. and marginalized people and geography and how we think and conservative and it's all it's the diaspora putting the, you know working on it yes yeah. and, and i'm proud of that
1: yeah i same here and uh i'm proud to be part of the process and it is a process like it's tough you know what I'm? like i think um like it's fun and you have to have like a lot of trust undergirding everything you know i think that's the only way it works um and then like you said people have to be empowered to speak up because um you know i know as a writer for game theory that was one thing i had to get used to was just this idea of like critique criticism like you write something somebody's going to come in and tell you like here's where this thing needs to be better here's where this thing can change Here's, have you considered this idea and that's like the tough part right is going back and being like all right let's go back to the drawing board on this but in this case some of the ideas to me are so like radical and so uh like that's why it's it's almost like harder to implement these ideas right because this is the the easy way out for many other shows, TV shows and stuff is just to be like, get those blacks out of the room, okay? They keep bringing up. Uh, I beat it. They keep bringing up shit. I don't like, I don't like, I just want to put my shit out there. And in this case, it's like, somebody will come with an idea and be like, oh, what if we, I don't know, like for example, uh, especially when you're talking about black history, so much of it is taught through what white people said and what they thought and who they erased and stuff. And so sometimes it's like, we should create a character here and this character is gonna be uh, this character is a gay character who is a comedian and is this And, and so you have to like then go and create that archetype Feel that world that world in from their perspective and stuff and as far as the audience is concerned as far as white people's history is concerned this person never existed but as black people we know all kinds of black people always existed throughout all the time Mm -hmm. so we get to take those liberties and so a lot of this is about pushing the boundaries of your imagination of like yeah why can't we do that as opposed to you know trying to paint within the boundaries of white supremacy and uh it's a lot of it's a lot of work because you have to decolonize like your point of view a lot of times right. like oh yeah yeah this could be happening so i i'm enjoying the work i've never written narratively before so uh it's been a, a challenge for me but it's also been like rewarding to be like you know when someone's reading your work because we had these reads and stuff to be like okay that thing does work or you know or it doesn't work but it could work if we change this thing and so we do like table reads on tuesdays and stuff and karen's in the background in here sometimes enjoying it the the
0: table reads are 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 fun uh particularly with the different voices and the different perspectives and you know i'm kind of hearing the story in the background and it is just a joy and so i'm like well i can't wait to see the finished product because then you're gonna have music and sound like all these other you know things to kind of polish it off so I'm like oh this is going to be different and it's going to be fun
1: now Michael how is it different from writing in for like because you have a book coming out um, you've written so many pieces for the griot for the root um, the threads on twitter like how is writing for the podcast different to you
2: I think well so two things are different to me is that this is you know, you have to include other people's voices, right? Mm. And sometimes I think, you know, like when I started writing for the Amber Ruffin show, it wasn't even as much of a challenge as this, because, like, I think the reason it works well, because like, Amber when I, Amber has the same kind of humor mm. that I have, right? And So, when you're writing from the perspective of different people and trying to tell a story, right? Uh, I think that is that has been challenging and the other part is right is allowing giving people the opportunity or the giving people space to create and you not say no 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 it's mm-hmm. it's to be like this or cuz you know when people take your work and interpret it or mm-hmm. take stuff that you've been working on and, and and interpret it i think that's been a challenge just to see what people do with these ideas i'm happy to say like in this case you know everybody has been doing uh, a great job right but i think those two things like i've never had anybody just take my stuff and do their thing with it
1: yeah yeah i think that's like i said gay theory was like that because you submit something and then it's got to go through a lot of hands mm-hmm. you know you so like prove. i'm writing something mm-hmm. I'm, i think it's like the hottest shit ever you know it's funny as all this stuff and you know especially near the beginning it's like okay cool you wrote that Now it's got to go to like the head writer, okay. Now it's got to go. The producer wants to take a pass, okay. Now Bomani has to take a pass, put it in his words, you know, like. And so by the time you get done with it, there's a level of detachment you have to have to your work, or else you'll you'll go mad, you know. You like Mm -hmm. you have to be able to say like, this is kind of my baby, but not really. It's all our baby now because we all touched it, and I think um that's kind of been what this process has been like uh for a lot of stuff and in a lot of ways like it, people make it better too you know like it's not even just just a like it's not mine anymore it's like i like i was reading an edit that someone did on one of my last rounds or something and uh they were like you got any notes on this and i was like uh no it's it's better than what i wrote <laughs> that's that's good like good job everybody i don't I, what, y'all the ones that had something to add, and it was something I didn't see. You know, I wasn't able to see, but now reading your version of it, I see what y'all were getting at. Um, now, what is it? Also, also, we're gonna have like celebrity guests that come in and voice these roles. Is that something where like you know these people and you're reaching out to them, or is it like for real know these people? Like, how how are we getting these celebrity guests? Because I'm looking at the list and I'm like, man, this is nice.
2: Yeah. So most of them I know um, mm. You know have some kind of Tangential or personal relationship Right like when So the, for the first episode y'all should know It's going to be Joy Reid and, and Roy Wood Jr so Who I know So they, they record the parts that you'll hear Tuesday like they literally Did them like Roy Wood Is popping now he did this Like three years ago mm. and he was like yeah I'll do it Just send it to me and Joy read the same thing. Like she's like, yeah, I do it, just send it to me. And so, you know, these were personal relationships and and what we did is we made it real easy for them. Like we don't have to schedule a meeting a recording right, right. and recording session and all of this. We made it real easy. And so when you make it real easy, you realize like people are willing to, you know, to help out or to cal- collaborate if it don't mess with every 'cause people a lot of these right. people are real busy. Right. And so um I'll just reach out and say, hey man, like, I'm doing this thing and it might take 15 minutes of your time whenever you want to do it. Mm. And people are generally like, yeah. Okay.
1: I, I got to say, I love that about us as black people too. Cause like, that feels like a thing where I'm not sure white folks would necessarily stop what they're doing and do it or whatever, but i love that you know because some of these names y'all when y'all see these people y'all gonna be like what and it's just like yeah man like as busy as that person is as much as they're doing they were like oh cool this sounds like a fun black idea what can i do to help and i love that part of the community aspect of being black um you also you got a book coming out man like how has that been different than like from the other processes because i i've heard writing a book is super tough
2: yeah. So writing this book was hard cuz like it is a real history book. So it is 600 years of black history from the 1400s to like yesterday. Um and so the amount of research, the amount of like fact checking, that was grueling. The history part wasn't as bad. I mean the writing part wasn't as bad as the research part and figuring out how to tell these stories, and so uh, during the pand- I did it during the pandemic, man, and it was just like because I was still working a regular day job, mm. you know, at the Griot and the route, and so I would w- I would work during the day, and literally I got on this thing, and I'm still trying to get out of it. Mm. This I uh, Iphasic sleep. Have you ever heard of sleep? Biphasic, biphasic nah. What sleep? what is the, what's that? Mm. So it is the I. Idea that for most of human history, we slept in two cycles, right? Mm-hmm. We would go to sleep when it's because we ain't had no lights for most of the time. We got candles and stuff. So we would go to sleep when the sun went down, mm-hmm. sleep for like three, four hours, wake up, and that's when babies were made. That's when, mm-hmm. when what they call the witching hour when witches would come around and vampires would come around. It's mm-hmm. like all the concepts from horror movies were invented during these times. And then we would go back to sleep and sleep to the sun. Enough, mm-hmm. and so I got on this uh, sleep cycle where I was doing that. Man, in that middle of the night, that witching hour is when I was writing this book, mm. and I'm still trying to get out of it. But it was, it was, it was hard. But I don't think like just writing any book was harder than just writing a whole history book. Right? Mm. Um, that's that's that was the hard part of it, the research.
1: Yeah, and then like. The other thing i always wanted to know man how did you come up with your style on twitter with the threads? because I, I like me and my friends we like we always have like a running joke because i would always say <laughs> i would always say like michael harry's threads are such a ride because the first tweet is never really what it's gonna be about no like the first tweet is a trick and it uh, and it could be it, it literally be like george washington made peanut butter sandwiches on saturday mornings and you'd be like where is this nigga going with this? Uh, like, <laughs> like,
0: Like, You're like, peanut butter sandwiches. I'm like, I thought
1: he was going to be talking about the Supreme Court ruling, and, but you will get there by the end of the thread and it's like, I didn't know it. So George Washington peanut butter came from Clarence Thomas family? What <laughs> right? the fuck? Like, it's like, you'd be like, what happened? How'd you come up with that? Because I feel like people are still trying to even emulate that.
2: Yeah, I think it, it is just. First of all, it's probably the way I think. Right, like, like connecting these dots, and you'll see it on even the the show. Right, like mm-hmm. these episodes of Drake to aren't really what they are about. Right, like when we talk about we do it, like this is going to be, we're doing an episode on Ida B. Wells, but the idea is that Ida B. Wells was the first battle rapper. Right, all these <laughs> beats she had, that we're doing them, really interpreting them. To battle rap, but it's really a episode about the black press and how the black press was really always the only voice that black people had yes. and the only way we had to communicate each other with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so these disconnecting those dots, right? Like we always think this happened on this date and that is why this thing is, and really mm-hmm. it is a build up and a thing happened. 400 years earlier and 200 years earlier that created the monsters and the good things that exist today and so I think connecting those dots and because like I always had ADHD so I would always go off on tangents and down rabbit holes Mm. that I just like to connect those dots
1: oh well I I mean it obviously works man the threads go viral all the time I Mm -hmm. feel like I don't know how like if you're just able to like like draft 37 things and then get them in order or what because i'm like i always read them with a fascination I'm like where's this going um but it's 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 good it's so dope and then like working on the show and seeing it happen kind of like through the writing of the show is 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 dope too but yeah it, I, I always used to make that running joke is like you just don't know where michael's going with it you just know that the first first tweet is a trick like it's like you like it'll be like i'm gonna prove um that people have always been anti-crt and i'm gonna start with apple pies and you're like apple pies that nah what (laughs) um so i I, i've always liked that about your writing man um another thing i wanted to ask too though is like you had the black twitter has been this like vehicle that has, has really helped like propel you right but it's also like one of the most fickle things Damn, as well. Like how how do you like like master Black Twitter, man? Navigate like, that, you know? Because I feel like Black Twitter never forgets, never forgives. They they'll lift you up, they'll clown you, they'll drag you, they'll 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 yeah. they'll you know like like how how do you you know how do you cope with that?
2: Yeah, uh, again, like growing up in that fundamentalist church, man. You know. It's some things like that are always going to be some people's Jesus, right? Mm. Like they're going to always remember it. Like some people's Bible verse is going to be their Bible verse, Mm. and you got to realize, like, Blackfoot is like Atlanta. It's not a real place. It is, (laughs) you know, an idea (laughs) and (laughs) Blackfoot. Like so, so when you when somebody says something crazy. Mm-hmm. you have to realize oh like this is black twitter it ain't real life right. not that what they say isn't true but you will recognize like oh that person represents one person like right. four, you'll see like 4 million people read this tweet and 3 people said something negative and I've, I've also learned this and this is a thing that's also true with like anything whether you mm-hmm. have a business or a podcast or anything right like the people who love what you do aren't going to sit down and write. Sometimes they might, but they're not going to sit down and express. Like, yeah, this was good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the people who, but haters will take the time. Yes, always right? haters they will always got time. I don't time. know what it is. Haters got time. Yes, they do. Nothing and but so time. You always have to remember that, right? Like you, you. I'm sure y'all go places and you know, in spaces where people like, yeah, I like y'all. I, I really like your stuff. And it might be somebody you never right. thought it might be because right. like, they're just like, yeah, I like that. And I'm gonna keep listening. Mm-hmm. Haters got time, bro. Yep. And right. so like <laughs> Twitter is not a real place and haters got time. You got to remember that.
1: Yeah. Dog, I like, that is one thing I always like. If you could take the energy of a hater and put it into like the battery, like put that battery in the back of a fan uh that it would be awesome, you know, but
0: you'd be unstoppable.
1: Yeah, because the haters do make time, man. I, I remember uh the thing I was saying to Beau about game theory in season one was okay. like, I'm like, the show's great, all the feedback is great, all the ratings and reviews are great, the, the 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 people, the executive at the top, they love the show and all that stuff. I said, But you know what we really need, man, is some fucking haters. Like we really need cause you know what yeah, makes man. shit go viral? It'd be when people hate it, like as much as people were like this because our, our show is not getting renewed we're not getting to season three and that dropped to the news dropped to everybody last week and i saw people being like you know oh man this show i can't believe this but they got they letting Stephen a smith do this and they letting so-and-so do that and skip Bayless got this and i said yeah but you know what y'all do y'all share their stuff right even if you hate it you go and share their stuff and it goes viral with you being like god I hate Stephen A. Smith look what he said about Michael Jordan mm. click send you yes, know man,
0: that's all the
2: algorithm care about and I was
1: like we just needed some we needed a little bit more hate I think we <laughs> took us to the next a level so <laughs>
2: yeah I think I think I the think, uh, show though like when they whenever he addressed the topic whenever Bobani addresses the topic like he thoroughly dissects it mm-hmm. where like, the haters really don't got a counter-argument exactly with it. Like, maybe you did your job too well, Rod, right? I think that's like the, the problem. No
0: space
2: to I honestly right? think that's so the that's, problem,
0: like, Mike. Like, it's
1: kind of your fault. Agreed.
0: Right. Right. I blame you, Rod. Like, well, honestly,
1: it's Bo's fault, because I, I, I'm willing to write some unreasonable shit, okay? <laughs> it's Bo that come in and be like, yeah, but that didn't really happen, because in 96, Coach K actually got this, and so we can't say that the reason that he... uh pretended that his back was hurt was because of this because he actually did hurt his back and I'm like but if we just say he a white supremacist you know what I'm saying <laughs> and Bo's like nah we gotta be reasonable and so that held the show yeah. back
2: <laughs> and see I feel like like Bo, Bo will show somebody's race he could, he'll could, he show somebody's racism he won't say this person is racist he'll, he'll show their actions yep and the only conclusion that you could come up with yep. is that oh this person racist mm-hmm. right but it's he does it in such a reasonable way that like the haters don't want to say it, can't even come out and say he said it was racist he's like no nah, he said right a list of things that yeah the person did and then you and, and you know the racist, wild right? the wild and part
1: the wild part about that though is like I remember he went on Bob Costas show after we wrote the uh, Duke episode and jj reddick and i forget the white dude that ran the marlins these niggas was so incensed you would have thought that we really wrote coach k is a racist kkk member that happens to 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 coach basketball you would have thought we wrote coach kkk when, when we wrote our piece the way they reacted to it and i was like bo man i i i i feel like we wrote all that reasonableness just to get thrown under the bus, anyway, we might as well have wrote the funny version that I wanted to, you know, write of just like, man, fuck this nigga, fuck, fuck, that, fuck, fuck that school, fuck anybody affiliated hey. with them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and see, like a lot of people say that, like I that I write that people are racist, and like it'll be whole articles where I don't even use the word no nope. right? right. racist, yeah. right? But they just infer that, right? But I feel like one thing y'all didn't do is y'all didn't say white people enough because white people hate the word white people. They do. The term mm-hmm. white people. And and like y'all didn't guard a, Y'all were too... Re, y'all were too... Yes. Y'all, y'all were too good at your jobs, man. We were too y'all good. said who exactly, who did the things right. Was, and so y'all didn't have enough haters. Yeah. Y'all had haters. But, but not haters enough. couldn't argue in, two, in 140... Uh, yes characters. yeah like characters. they could never find so, like a
1: they could yeah. never find a clip that would go viral out of context even like because right. you know they'll do that shit too they take like one thing out of context and it's like if you don't watch the whole show there was this moment where bomani said because white people crazy or whatever and we never even had like a out of context clip that could mm-hmm. look bad so
0: you know next yeah. time next yeah. time Cause it went through and somebody shot that down. Yeah.
1: Cause yeah. Trust,
0: it was wrong. It was written somewhere. Yeah.
1: Between the writer, between, uh, Bomani and the lawyers, uh, it was hard to yeah, get particularly anything.
0: Particularly the lawyers. Lawyers like,
1: can't say that. I'll say, I'll say this anecdote and then we'll move on. But I remember we get to the final version of the Duke script. And you know, I'm a Duke hater. You know, I'm, t- <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm yeah. So I'm, I'm like writing, I'm writing Fi- flame emoji bars
0: <laughs> uh, we can't say that, bro. that
1: people had to take out man I, I uh uh so i'm we get to the final day and they was like uh or i want to say like the, the day before taping and they and the, one of the lawyers is pushing back and he's like okay so we're gonna say that they dominated in this year but then they had a down year in this year but then they dominated again in this year so don't we have to say that coach k was Dominant as a coach and as a, and the Duke as a basketball team from this year to this year. Aren't we not giving him credit? And everybody's like stumped because they're like, cause it's like when you write shit like that, it makes the narrative confusing because you have to go in and be like, in 89, they had won this many games, but then they lost yeah. games, didn't it? And so everyone gets quiet and, and then I, and like I've been working on this shit for weeks at this point. And I'm frustrated a little bit and I just go, yeah, but also fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and we and we left it out like we like i was i was so i was like aren't, i said but aren't we also yeah. writing this to say fuck this man like have we forgotten the plot we're not about to be giving this man any undue credit like if you want he's gotten undue credit his whole goddamn career let's let's make these jokes man and then uh, the last jokes. another thing too i remember yeah. we wrote about the masters and uh this line never made it into the script yeah. But we're writing about the masters and you know the masters tournament they augusta the actual location they didn't allow black members for a long time and now i think right now they may have like less than 10 you know or whatever and so cool. and so this shit got taken out Vogue just wrote no but uh i just wrote no <laughs> I, wrote what this, did you say? I wrote this i wrote this one that said <laughs> Augusta Augusta's such a, such such a racist place that it only just now has eight black members and Condoleezza Rice.
0: <laughs> oh no, I I think I would have wrote no too. <laughs> I would have wrote no, too. Yeah, yeah. He, he had
2: no. a right, no. He had a right, no. Yeah, I he
0: had it right, no. Yeah, he, I just, he I had the right, yeah, yes. No, that, yeah, had, yeah. know, that was
2: funny. No. That,
0: yeah, that, you'd have got a ha, huh, no.
2: That was a bar. Yeah,
1: he he said back like, uh, no. That was a bar, though. And he's, I think he wrote, absolutely not. And then I, I texted him like, but did you laugh? Cause it was funny. He was like, "It's funny. We can't say that." I was like, "All right, bro, it's, it's cool." Now you did. I read on your bio. Read on your bio that you did. You wrote poetry. Did you ever perform like slam poetry? Were you part of that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I would. So, I am still one of the only two people, if not the only one. I don't know what he did it already. Like, so there's like a slam poetry season every year. So I am the only person who. One of only two people who went through a whole season like with perfect so called scores. Wow. Um, So, yeah, so I did all of it. Yeah, so like I'm on this, I'm I'm still like on kind of technically the slam poetry scene, even though I don't like perform that much Mm -hmm. more. Uh, But I'm still like, there's a, at the events, I'll still go to the events and kick it with my friends. And like if you see my interactions on like Twitter, is mostly with journalists and all that, but like on Facebook, like all my, all my interactions are really like with poets and wow people from that scene.
1: What is the slam poetry scene like in twenty twenty three? Because I feel like it had a moment where it was like mainstream yeah. deaf poetry slam, and then I don't know what It's Like one day everybody just decided that oh, all right, we offer of that, and then I always wonder what happened to the scene after that.
2: Yeah, so it's it it kept going. It's really. Kind of uh, a niche scene. Mm. Uh, It got a lot wider. You know, white Mm. people came in. Um, And then, like, during the pandemic, man, like, the dude who literally created slam poetry, he did some fuck shit, like, Mm. and, like, there was a big split. And so, like, all of the national events have, like, gone away. So it's just, like, three or four black folks that's keeping. The slam poetry scene, uh, you know, alive on a national level, but it's still thriving in certain cities. Baltimore got one of the best. Ba- I mean, Are y'all in North Carolina, man? Like mm-hmm. the really the baddest motherfuckers in slam poetry now, and and, and spoken word really in North Carolina right now. Wow. Okay. Um, hmm. Or either out of there. Uh, some of them have left, have left, but everybody kind of funneled through North Carolina. Uh, and so yeah, it's there's still scenes in different cities. Atlanta, you can see something every day, mm-hmm. um, and Charlotte had a dope scene uh, at the lineup for a while. But mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like you know, it's so everybody online now, so that right. everybody's um, trying to figure out how you, how you can make it an online thing, but okay. it's still alive.
1: Okay, yeah, that's dope. I had no idea, man. I had to look into that because I just like once deaf poetry slam went off I was like i I hope those people have jobs I,
0: right everything just <laughs> disappeared
1: oh uh, I do also wonder if the white people that do that infiltrated the game if they still talking the the cadence of slam poetry from like two thousand and ten you know mm-hmm. like,
0: they come on there with, with with their acoustic guitars
1: pumpkin spice mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: that,
2: that, that, that cadence is still a thing though like, just, <laughs> part of the reason like I had I think part of the reason that I had some success is just like I talked in a regular voice, oh, and okay. like talked like my stuff was just like what you read. My stuff now, like I, like I, like what the poems I did was like uh, for white people who have to listen to black poems at poetry slams. Like it was a whole <laughs> poem poor white people. Like I know y'all don't want to listen to these white niggas talk about <laughs> shit all day, and so I would talk talk to them in a regular voice because people still use that cadence
1: oh man that's hilarious dude well I want to get into some games with you Mike because I feel like you already like play these games and understand the humor uh, in your own writing Uh, so we got a couple games to play before we wrap this thing up Uh, the first game that I want to play with you is a little game called fucking with black people
0: 25, 50, 75, okay. 100, how much is
1: you fucked with? How much is you fucked with? Death by a thousand cuts, microaggressions, gaslighting, dog whistles, manic depression. Work twice as hard no matter how high the bar is. I give it a hundred, not fuck it, Drakaris.
0: 25, 50, 75, 100, how much is you fucked with? How much is you fucked
1: with? all right so fucking with black people we go around the globe we find different articles that make us feel fucked with as black people and we assign point scores from zero to 100 in intervals of 25 today's contestants everybody a judge dismisses tulsa race massacre lawsuit uh yeah um a years-long legal effort to secure restitution for the three last known living survivors of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre has ended after judge caroline wall yes she was dismissed the lawsuit with prejudice according to court filings posted on friday and i think with prejudice means you can't bring the suit back um yeah according to court filings on friday tulsa county district judge caroline wall granted city of tulsa's attorney's motions to dismiss the case with prejudice meaning that the case uh why is this why is this okay that can't be refiled upon hearing the arguments of counsel and considering the briefs and uh, filed by counsel for plaintiffs and counsels for defendants the court respectfully finds the or and orders the plaintiff's second amended amended petition should and shall be dismissed with prejudice attorneys for the city of tulsa had argued that the case should be dismissed because the lawsuit didn't lay out how judge wall should remedy the harm meanwhile attorneys for justice of uh, uh for greenwood uh argued the state law doesn't require them to provide those answers before a trial is even begun but they wanted to know like how y'all gonna redress the like when which y'all want some required. money y'all want some land y'all didn't say exactly how we're supposed to do remuneration it so it wouldn't have mattered right
0: y'all were gonna vote this down anyway
1: the stinging defeat for survivors of one of the most violent racial domestic terrorist attacks against the wealthiest black community in the u.s history reverberates across black america many were hopeful that a win in tulsa would set a precedent for other communities harmed by white supremacy i think that's another reason that mm-hmm. this shit got shut down is because tulsa ain't the only one it's just the one that they put in watchman you know what I'm right like? <laughs> um but yeah they said the city will not even have the decency to acknowledge the survivors attorney solomon simmons said um the lawsuit which has gotten further than previous efforts hinged on a state public nuisance law that gives plaintiffs the ability to sue when harm is done to an entire community and hasn't been abated or rectified but the judge wouldn't even let it go to trial so zero to hundred karen
0: Oh, Jakarta! We didn't let it go to trial. I mean, yeah. at least let it go to tr- like work its way through the system.
1: Yeah. Um, what about you, Mike? How uh, was? What do you give it?
2: I'm gonna give it a 83 because, like, I I feel what Karen saying, but you can't let it go to trial. Like anything can happen when you go to trial, mm-hmm. right? A jury can feel anyway, right? Because you might get some people who use logic and common sense, so like, you feel you realize that most cases. Get dismissed before they get to trial because that's how they control the legal system.
0: Right. Um, I'm gonna
2: give it an 83, and because again, like Rod said, um, it might have got a higher score. But like Tulsa is just the one that we've seen on TV. There's a bunch of like gre- the Greenwood section of Black Wall was that we call Black Wall Street mm-hmm. was named after not just another Black Wall Street, but another Greenwood. Right. Like the best, the biggest really, like the really the 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 height of all the black places that they call black wall street was in north carolina was in in durham right like that was the real black wall street mm-hmm. like those companies still exist today and so yeah i'm gonna give it an 83 all
1: right um i give it so it's intervals of 25 so i'm gonna move you to 75 okay uh for me i'm gonna give it a Dracaris, okay the highest score because it feels like the full circle fuck you <laughs> like mm-hmm. like the 1921 fuck you mm-hmm. and then just a 100 years later they're just like and also fuck you on this end too you ain't never getting shit um and, and, I and think, don't
0: never talk to us about it again
1: and i do think the precedent that is setting to throw this out because they're like everyone like the white people are like well the president it was said if it went to trial and they won how are we gonna pay back all the black people we killed you know and to me i'm like yeah but this is also setting precedent it's funny you didn't write that in the article yeah but this is precedent of there is no remuneration there is no reparation black people just got harmed and uh y'all y'all just got to deal with it so it's it is it, right. it, it's, it's a jacquard for me
0: right and especially when you look at y'all pay reparations to other groups of people mm. now if it's fair or right that's a whole nother thing but people got casinos people got money people got checks Right. A lot of shit from other nationalities that y'all have done wrong. right? But the people that y'all bought over here on the motherfucking boat, y'all go, nah, y'all don't get shit. Then you right. wonder why we're mad.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. What would ahead. be interesting to do and that I always wanted to do mm-hmm. is to look at, go to the, the white section of Tulsa during mm-hmm. that time, look at all the business owners and see where the wealth of that those families mm. are right now because you would have to concede that the black peoples whose businesses were burned, their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren would have built that kind of wealth too, right? Yep. So even this, we're talking about the survivors but we don't talk about the descendants right. of the survivors of right. T- so the descendants of people who, who lost their property the descendants of the people who killed and the wealth that that could have built
1: Yeah, I think about that. I'm I'm in
2: agreement.
1: Uh, I think about that a lot. Yeah, I'll go
2: 100
1: too. Okay. Yeah, I think about that a lot too because also um, one of the like it reminds me of uh, I read that uh, Ida B. Wells book uh, about her uh, Sword Among Lions is a great book. I recommend it. But when they fucked up the grocery store on the black side of town, one of the main emphases behind that was that the white people grocery store was mad they was like these niggas making too much money <laughs> like like i I feel like that's the lesson to tulsa isn't just the money uh, as michael pointed out it's not just the money black people didn't get in the legacies they lost but it's also what white people gained by not having those black people there you know which is always such a, a cash 22.
0: yeah and it's and it's also very very frustrating because as you begin to learn history and as you begin to know about history You'll be like, yeah. A lot of these people, when they filed mm-hmm. and and shit, they were denied, mm-hmm. so they couldn't do that. And then they, a lot of them had to sell their stuff for pennies and dimes on the dollar, or either they fled and somebody else just came and just took it over. Yeah. got free. Yeah.
1: And All right. You know, let's let's go to the next one. Yeah, and oh, we. Oh, you got go it. Go ahead, go ahead Mike. Go, go, ahead. go ahead. Go
2: ahead. Now I was just going to say, like. And we always think about it as like the rich and successful, but like you always hear white people talk about like my great grandfather was a sign painter mm-hmm. and he sent my grand- my grandfather to college just painting signs. And it was people who painted signs right. who built dynasties off of that and yep. you burned their buildings down.
1: Exactly. And you like, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and y'all burning the bootstraps. Uh, the next one, UNC, yeah. to offer free tuition to some students following supreme court affirmative action ruling the university of north carolina at chapel hill will offer free tuition to some in-state students as the supreme court struck down affirmative action and in admissions in-state students whose families make less than eighty thousand per year <clears throat> will receive free tuition starting in twenty twenty four incoming cat class average price of tuition at unc is about nine thousand dollars per year for in-state students uh we want to make sure students no financial constraints should not stand in the way of their dreams the supreme court said the university's affirmative action process the use of race as a factor in college admissions violates the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment the admissions process prioritized applicants from minority backgrounds uh our responsibility to comply with the law does not mean we will abandon our fundamental values as a university he added we are and will remain passionately public and we will ensure that every student who earns admission to Carolina can come here and thrive um so I guess this is their way of trying to offset the fact that you can't just say okay. black people so now they're saying people that's not making a whole lot of money you can come to the school for free uh Karen zero to 100
0: this uh, this gets two scores I okay. give the university a zero. <laughs> because they're trying to do something a lot more than other universities that's like okay this is this, y- y'all that even even because they're higher education somebody had enough sense to be like this is fucked up like like what do we do to allow people to come into the university like we just can't just eliminate like this doesn't make sense mm-hmm. uh also when you do that a lot of people are going to benefit from this probably more than one that would have benefited outside of you just looking through race Mm -hmm. um and it's a zero funding university and it is a uh Jacaris for the person that did the lawsuit that put this shit in, in, in to, to go right. in the first place. Right. Because it was some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh didn't you say that person is from Canada or some shit?
1: Asian they use the Asian dude from Canada right. to make the case. And,
0: yeah. and and the thing what made me mad, not trying to find it, nigga, you not from here. You don't live here. <laughs> like right. I'm not trying to be funny. You yeah, you, you take your ass back home
1: go back to Canada okay that's a new one I had not okay I normally go back to Africa but go back to Canada go
0: go back home you Put don't live here okay I, you know it's one of these things where you came here you started some shit then you floor your ass back over there and you eating your Canadian bacon and it's all good and we got to live with the
2: consequences of your bullshit
1: I hear you uh Mike what would you score it uh I would score it
2: a zero man because first of all Again, this cultural appropriation. Fayetteville State did that shit like two years ago. Yep. Um they made tuition free for uh, so they just adopted something, and like now they want to like if they make a tuition free though, they could have did that three years ago or five right. years ago right. or two years Like they could, and then I, I also have uh, it's a zero because there are, there's also a solution. First of all, seventeen uh, percent of the people at University of North Carolina mm-hmm. are uh legacy. Seventeen percent of the white people mm-hmm. at University of North Carolina are legacy. They have they still have a legacy admissions. I think the solution is for white people to give black pe- people their legacy status. Mm. That's yes. it, right? Like if you ain't using it, you can designate a black person as a legacy. I like
1: right? that. I like and that. And so that has
2: nuts. Yeah. Right. And so give us your legacy status. Um, but they don't give no credit for doing something that they could have done uh, mm. years ago, and they already got a loophole for white people.
1: Now zero means you're not fucked with at all, as opposed to a hundred means you are fucked with. So it sounds like you're a little bit you are. Fucked well, okay,
2: with. okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a dracaris on
1: this. Okay, all right, Dracarys. all right. I feel yeah, they could have been I'm did this because so
2: they fucking with they ain't really fucking with us, mm. but they was fucking with us the whole time so right yeah i forgive it
1: to and you. it's hard to, it's hard like i can't forget how they did nicole hannah jones over there too so like uh i know that wasn't everybody oh, yeah. but yeah uh, yeah that wasn't everybody but still like that was that that's that's still in my mind um i would give this a a 75 i like i like this idea but one of the things that's becoming very apparent affirmative action people just like and this happened with the supreme court shit too uh and the media coverage everybody says affirmative action and they just ain't black yes that because all this has been shorthand for we don't want black people to get stuff but the truth is affirmative action has always helped out white women more than us yeah. they're asian people there's they all kinds the of people being the
0: benefactors of it
1: there's a bunch of people who benefit from the progress black people make and then on the back of our progress they they progress you know what i mean and i think this is a case where the school is saying We'll use money means as opposed to race, and then we that that'll be fine as a substitute for race. Well, not every black person's poor, obviously, not mm-hmm. every black person makes less than $80,000 or whatever. Um, but most importantly, I feel like they're nakedly saying the quiet part out loud, which is you know, a bunch of people will benefit from this that won't be black. And the same thing was already happening with affirmative action in the first place, Correct. which, which to me, just so shows how garbage the whole system is. So
2: seventy-five for me. Um, and can I add one more point? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always want to remind people that you that North Carolina is twenty-two percent black. The University of North Carolina is eight percent black. They ain't giving us nothing free. We paid for that school. Yep. And they're not letting us in. Yep.
1: All right. Let's go to the next game this is a little game that we like to call fucking with black people
0: i thought we just did that game
1: oh i'm sorry this is a little game we like to call "guess the race sometimes i make mistakes everybody uh this is a little game we like to call "guess the race uh i'm like
2: we playing
1: it again no i, I just I, I forgot that we had already played it uh let me play my guest the race uh music uh intro music uh here we go what
2: time is it
0: It's time to guess the race. It's time to guess the race. It's time to guess the race. It's time to
1: guess the race. All right, it's time to play guess the race. Guess the race is a game. We go all around the globe. We find different articles. And we guess the race of the people involved, undoing all of the goodwill we just earned during (laughs) fucking with black people. In this case, the contestants will be Karen and Michael Harriet. And the chat room plays along, <clears throat> and they're all races. All right, let's go to the first story for Guess the Race. A prominent TikToker has been arrested, accused of fabricating crimes to gain followers. What? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. A social media personality known for his trying to get the FBI at my door TikTok series <gasps> has succeeded.
0: The FBI showed up!
1: He succeeded.
0: You got just what you wanted.
1: In drawing attention of the police at his home in Canada, Anthony Gagné, 27, was arrested for public mischief this week. He's accused by authorities of fabricating crimes to gain more followers. His TikTok series has more than 440,000 followers and has garnered 9.5 million views. Ooh. He maintains multiple accounts on various social platforms dis- to distribute his content, drawing more than 500,000 subscribers altogether. Um, police say they began investigating in May after they received a complaint regarding a person driving the truck with the words "free candy" displayed on the side, and what authorities say was an attempt to attract children. <gasps> in a TikTok video on his account, he's seen wearing a fake a, a fake mustache. <laughs> He's wearing a fake mustache. have a
0: white van too.
1: It is a white van. Oh shit. He's wearing a <laughs> He's wearing a fake mustache uh and driving a U-Haul rental around neighborhoods filming children and pedestrians while also yelling free candy. Uh captioned on May 26 video describes as the my biggest project yet. Police allege they discovered multiple videos with similar intentions of faking crimes that he published beginning in 2021 they alleged he used various online search tools to obtain information related to committing crimes (gasps) the officers identified several videos with him simulating crimes in an attempt to provoke a reaction from varying law enforcement agencies um his videos regularly include, include the line trying to get the fbi at my door though it's not clear why the u.s fbi would be involved since he lives in canada um so let's see what else he did he uh in one of the videos he cut a piece of cardboard into the shape of a human head and what he says is an attempt to make his neighbors believe they were being spied on he placed a cardboard cutout in his basement window that faces his neighbor's property then went outside to film how it looked from their perspective that video alone got more than 790,000 likes and 2,000 comments he had another two-part video where he waited more than four hours in a hazmat suit waiting for the city garbage collections to show up in their scheduled route uh he had no people to (laughs) death he placed a barrel bearing a nuclear waste symbol to (gasps) see if the garbage collectors would take the barrel when they when when asked by him they responded no we won't
0: i know that's right no
1: uh
0: (laughs) at 5 a.m in the morning no sir (laughs) i got to be done with this by time the sun come up get out of here (laughs) police say they executed a search warrant at his home
1: they said they seized three cell phones a tablet a laptop fake blood a balaclava that's those masks where it covers <gasps> most of your face oh no a gas mask and a rental vehicle contract uh and um yeah then they public co- they uh charge him with public mischief uh guess the race of mr let me see his first name again anthony Gagne. karen
2: white karen's going white mike oh <sighs> <Ugh. coughs> I think I gotta go. See, I feel like I'm listening to this show. You do fake outs a lot, mm. but I just I feel like a black person would have said the Fed, call them the Feds, not the FBI. <laughs> and black folks don't. i don't you know. say FBI. And I feel like you know, yeah. And I feel like it's like a black person. It's not that he was should have been scared of the police, but like a black. That person would have had to do far less to get the the feds at that door so i'm gonna go with white too
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right the chat room says flower white palm colored person he has a deaf wish white i look forward to his profile on the new york times white (laughs) that's (laughs) lame niggas ain't got time for no such foolishness white uh (laughs)
2: that's true
1: he needs to be swatted (laughs) White. jackass white couldn't do the shiggy but needed a hook one and three clap white daring the feds to arrest you is very white this some young white man shit do you want the smoke bruv white the correct answer is everyone said the same thing white and you got it right (laughs) and that's him right there that's one of his gags with the free candy (laughs)
0: the... <laughs> that mustache, he do, he do, uh, child, you better get away from my kid. It's just, this you is... just, you just look like.
2: I, I look love girl. that. <laughs> I love that Karen was most outraged that he was uh, screwing with people during their work hours. Like she was outraged
1: <laughs> yeah. about
2: the safety of the of the people's labor. Like those was a terrible labor practices. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh also karen you called it on the white van i mean you 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 did it so um, i mean
0: i was joking i mean but you know th- that's the kind of the stereotypical yeah. uh, stereotype for catching kids a white van
1: <laughs> all right let's go to the next one a nurse has been fired for a secret affair with a patient who died during sex in the hospital parking lot <gasps> yeah
0: how was he outside the hospital, but he a patient?
1: I mean, you can go to the parking lot, I guess, to have sex. I don't I mean, maybe you shouldn't be since you're a patient, but no. you can. Uh a British nurse lost her job at the hospital. Uh at the hospital learned that she had maintained an affair with the patient for over a year. Oh shit. Ending when the man died following a sexual encounter with her in the parking lot. Now here's the thing though. You kinda gotta brag on your stuff if you made somebody die
0: I feel like at least she had the courtesy okay. enough to, to not do it on the clock I feel Ooh, like wait till I get off my shift I just feel like that's low
1: key well she may have been on the clock we don't know that she got off her shift oh that's true but she
0: ain't gonna do it in the building I just
1: she did it in the parking lot uh, but my thing is just I think you I will probably feel like I would brag a little bit like girl I got that killer okay you know what I'm apparently
0: saying? you I do I got that killer
1: gorilla grip <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they not ready I put I got off- but that does it kind of they
2: good. die in any way though
1: <laughs> 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 kind of yeah as the french call it the little death you know what i'm saying that (laughs) (laughs) makes. uh the man known as a patient a was receiving dialysis treatment (gasps) he had a heart attack during a late night meeting in january last year penelope williams 42 failed to call for an ambulance after the patient collapsed in the back of his car yeah i guess that's a tough call
0: (laughs) that's a tough call i mean you got the call Whatever well, I mean, you lose your job anyway but you got to call she
1: didn't call but i'm saying that's a tough that's a tough one how'd he die on top of me you know what i mean oh, really uh patient a died from heart failure and chronic kidney disease triggered by a medical episode The episode i mean triggered... he
0: was there for dialysis
1: yeah the episode triggered an investigation and and hearing before a nurse and midwifery council uh fitness to practice panel which her testimony that williams had ignored advice from colleagues who had urged her to call an ambulance oh that's even worse so she talked to college like she must have talked to somebody and said should i call her? the ambulance is like you need to call the ambulance. It's like girl but i was fucking him
0: it don't matter <laughs> you still got the call
1: um well uh patient a had met williams through work with Williams helping to treat him for his condition, yo, he must have had game to have like no kidneys but still be pulling his nurse, <laughs>
0: still getting that diet, girl. I'm tear it up after this dialysis. <laughs> what? That don't seem like fun.
1: When emergency personnel arrived, uh, uh eventually arrived, they found him partially naked and unresponsive. <gasps> yeah, yeah williams had called a colleague instead of emergency personnel and the oh. colleague said call an ambulance she delayed in doing so she was crying in distress and asked for help as she tried to explain someone had died the colleague ended up calling the ambulance instead snitch who found patient A dead upon arrival, you know the arrival. that's who told it uh and wh- i'm
0: not gonna lie i would have told it too because i was like nope you are not gonna get me as accessory after the fact uh,
1: williams initially told police and a paramedic that she had gone to meet with him after he messaged her on facebook that he felt unwell she claimed she only spent only about 30 to 45 minutes in the back of the car just talking she further explained the patient started groaning and suddenly died now i do believe that part she had testified at an initial february hearing she later admitted to the ongoing relationship and that she had met up with him at night for a sexual encounter and her admission at a later hearing in may result in her final dismissal from the job uh, all right well guess the race of Miss Penelope Williams
0: I'm going black
1: Karen's going black right
2: yeah I feel like uh nurses people who work at call centers and they they just trying to find somebody and it's hard in the dating game man people uh so I'm gonna plus you know he probably had if if you subjected to game like I feel like white women they would have been subjected to so like somebody was rich like mm-hmm. they they get wooed by money but she sound like she got wooed by game mm-hmm. so I'm gonna go with black
1: alright let's see what the chat room believes um <clears throat> let's see only may, only takes four to five minutes ma'am not four oh that's not right in it <clears throat> in it black Penelope fancy the shag in the car park white oh no night nurse gone wrong white how dialysis sounds sexy to you Hello, white yeah sure i heard a black woman named penelope white lol i need to know what kind of vehicle they were in because london loves small cars i don't know um got her we yeah i don't i actually have no idea got her nursing uh degree from everest nigga (laughs) 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 killing him not so softly nurse jackie brown oh no penelope going white again floated on like a cloud white snatched his soul black uk and penelope equal, a, and boinking in cars white as her uniform criminal minds white all right so got a lot of white in the chat you guys both went black and you both missed it oh What?
0: <laughs>
1: now some of you got it right so let me get your applause And that's Penelope. Uh,
0: oh yes, the, another reason why I went uh, black because they mm-hmm. was afraid to lose their job.
1: They was afraid to lose
0: their job. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. versus just nurse, calling nine one one like mm-hmm. a reasonable person. You okay. were just petrified. Like, look, ma'am.
1: Okay. I thought maybe y'all were trying to make a statement on the power of, of black sex or something. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I. It felt white to me, but uh, you know, I also already knew. Yeah, that I feel answer. like a
2: white woman. A, a, a white woman wouldn't have done that to a healthy, couldn't have done that to a healthy dude. It had to be, you know, she had a handicap advantage. Yeah. Black
1: woman kid, you'd be full, you'd be full 100% healthy, okay? <laughs> That's what happened yeah. to Michael Clark yeah. Duncan. That's exactly it. No, i just kidding.
0: But I see so sweet, she killed my dialysis. Okay, listen.
1: Um, All right, now we got to go to the bonus round.
0: it's time to guess the race it's time to guess the race it's time to guess the race it's time to guess the race
1: alright bonus round everyone's tied uh, between Michael and Karen and uh, the bonus round is worth double the points so we'll see how it ends here may end with a tie may have a winner a New Jersey judge is under investigation for lip syncing lyrics about murder and drugs on TikTok what? hmm uh a new jersey judge used an alias to post tiktok videos lip-syncing rap and pop songs with controversial lyrics and did so at times while wearing his judicial robes and in the courthouse
0: what on the job did he have a name his name tag on too
1: this is like when uh uh NFL players are getting suspended for gambling at the facility and you just like, Man, did you just not want the job? Just
0: <laughs> did he did <laughs> Like he... I
1: don't even know the rules for gambling and I know that's definitely in the rules that you can't do
0: that shit. <laughs> did he also hold the gavel up too? I mean, <laughs> come on.
1: Superior Court judge Gary N. Wilcox, fifty eight, posted about forty videos under the name Sal Tortorella from April eleventh to twenty twenty one in twenty twenty one to March fourth according to the complaint from the supreme court of new jersey advisory committee on judicial conduct which was filed friday wilcox posts were public and not in a private setting complaint the complaint said the post uh, undermined public confidence in the judiciary and violated judicial rules it said the complaint also said that many of the videos included references to violence sex and misogyny and that one post included the judge partially dressed while lying in bed oh now we know what's under them robes
0: apparently
1: in one video Nothing. Wilcox was in his judge chambers with law books behind him he wore a suit and tie and lip synced the following lyrics the complaint said all my life I've been waiting for somebody to whoop my ass I mean business you think you can run up on me and whoop my monkey ass come on come on what song is
0: that
1: I, I don't know That's, okay I not, to... it's not always a song
0: <laughs> oh okay yeah you
1: can lip sync other stuff too
0: wow mm-hmm
1: uh, in another video, Wilcox wore a Beavis and Butthead t-shirt while he walked through the courthouse as rapper Nas Get Down played. The song, the complaint said, included derogatory lyrics and made gang and drug references that included killing a doctor who treated a gang member. In one post, Wilcox wore a Freedom of Speech t-shirt and lip sync to a song that referred to spilling cognac on a $200 suit. Uh, Wilcox has been practicing law in New Jersey since 1989.
0: 1989 um, you threw it all away for some for some <laughs> lip syncing <laughs> that don't make no sense
1: <laughs> 58 does seem kind of old to join tiktok and decide this gonna be my new thing
0: <laughs> right that's what happens when you got old people to get online they Don't ask their grandkids
1: uh attorney robert b hill who was representing wilcox said wednesday in an email he's preparing a response to the complaint he asked for a com- asked for comment on his client's behalf he pointed to a statement he gave the new york times I don't think that at the end of the day anybody's going to believe there was any desire to do any harm here hindsight is 2020 that that that's not a strong defense i'm just gonna say
0: <laughs> uh, they knew they didn't have nothing to work with
1: hindsight 2020 is not a strong defense That's like a i was wrong but now that you look at it you can see how i was wrong right like i i get it now um he has 20 days to submit a written review a written or formal answer to the complaint although that time could be extended after it receives a response the advisory committee on the judicial conduct will schedule a formal hearing uh they can also issue private discipline or it can ask the state supreme court to issue public discipline for admonition censure or suspension or to removal from the bench so uh we don't know what the penalty will be yet but guess the race of gary wilcox i'm
0: going white karen's going white
1: what about you mike
2: I'm going black. That song by Nas, "Get Down." Mm-hmm. That's a that's a deep uh, pick, right? That's, that's a deep, deep cut because yeah. it is talking about uh, shooting a a judge, a judge in the courtroom, uh, a, a defendant <laughs> breaking out a gun in the courtroom. <laughs> All so, right. so, you got to know the deep cuts, right? You got to investigate it. Mm-hmm. So I'm I, hear on, you. Uh,
1: black. I hear what you're thinking. Let's check the chat room. Clarence Thomas, Earth Two doppelganger, white. Oh no. <laughs> Mike Tarico, just an Italian kid, kid, black, black judge juicy just black he white and watch that old people mess Cannelli beans white ain't no black people named gary wilcox this is a caucasian <laughs> judge juicy J black this nigga was tripping still not worse than judge joe brown black <laughs> oh, no. and lastly white the correct answer is i believe he was black <laughs> so michael wins Karen, you said
2: white. Yeah. But he here's the thing. Th- here's the thing, though. So he was here's deep in the hip picture. hop
1: era. Oh, go ahead, say that again.
2: Sorry. I was saying that that song from Nas, right? That mean, and he was a Justice '89 deep in the hip-hop era mm. he just he just wanted to show off his skills man
1: how many blacks did he send to jail and then go listen to that hip-hop i wonder but uh here's his picture you can make an argument kind of like on that michael tarico as someone said in the chat like i could see people thinking he's a white man but to me that's that look like a light-skinned brother mm, okay yeah the
0: beavis and butthead made me shirt made me say white
1: okay i can see that you know black people like beavis and butthead too oh, yeah, but yeah. i feel you i feel you uh i feel like you was only half wrong like he's, he probably got a white parrot or some shit uh all right let's last thing we gotta talk about sword ratchetness uh because we gotta spread the word out here Ratching this we go around the globe we find different articles about the scourge of these goddamn swords because no one's talking about it we talk about guns we talk about all kinds of other dangers to society but for some reason we let swords slip through the cracks and they're killing people every day intruder with a samurai sword attacks a texas man during a home burglary now first of all you brave as shit to only have a sword in texas <laughs> right <laughs> the home of the guns. okay um the close friend the close friend of an Amarillo resident is accused of using a samurai sword to attack him during a home invasion so you were a close friend of the person you attacked in their home that's interesting on Sunday May 14 around 3.50 a.m uh I don't know how you know how you pronounce his name his name is K-J-E-T-I-L Kajetl I don't know kajeto eric majol m-j-o-l-h-u-s so i don't know how you say that um broke into casey cabinets house and used a sword to attack cabinets and his dog the
0: dog is like now why am i in it
1: right uh mohouse i think that's how he says last name was in the backyard when officers arrived police said adding that they had to tase him because he wouldn't cooperate oh According to law enforcement he injured himself when he grabbed the intruder sword to defend himself cabinets injured himself when he grabbed the intruder sword to defend himself cabinets recently had surgery to repair the injury attending in joint of his thumb uh, another friend of cabinet said in the description posted to the gofundme page for him cabinet's home was vandalized his belongings and furniture were also destroyed his friend wrote some of the funds for the gofundme page will also help pay for his surgery and time in rehab since he does not have medical insurance officials said that was charged with burglary of a habitation possession of a controlled substance resisting arrest and terroristic threats against a peace officer Wow! yeah he, he went for the whole kid caboodle. Um, uh, Mike tell everybody where to find you uh, tell them about the podcast all that stuff
2: uh, you can find me on all social media platforms as Michael Harriot M-I-C-H-A-E-L H-A-R-R-I-O-T the podcast, trip to debuts Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast, black AF history, uh, comes out September 19th. So you got a while, but you can pre-order it now on Amazon or wherever you get your books. And, uh, I just want to, uh, dismiss any notion that I am anti sword, but I am pro sword. Mm. Um, my daughter was a nationally ranked fencer. So, uh, I think that, uh, that is the only mm. standard that I agree Disagree with uh, Rob right well, or so.
1: It's this this is gonna be matter. interesting. We yeah. don't disagree.
2: I just want to make mm-hmm. that
1: clear. Here's the thing: we don't disagree, Mike. Mm-hmm. This is your what your baby was trained. This is what I believe in. I believe that we should have sword responsibility. Right. We need responsible sword on oh, the ship. Oh
2: yeah. If you're training, okay, okay, yeah.
1: If you're okay. training, it's fine. Okay. What I don't like is these nerds go to Comic Con, buy the motherfucking He-Man sword, yeah. put it over the mantle, and, and then I'm reading the article. Training. I'm reading the article about how they let somebody who's like. Mentally unstable in their house and they killed their grandmama, and I'm like, now why the fuck is that okay? Cause you know if it was a gun, we'd be trying to pass some type of law. But so we kind of
2: stand on the same I'm, ground. I'm glad you that. cleared that up, man. I'm always yeah. I'm, I'm glad you cleared that up. Man. Yeah,
0: training. Yeah. We don't we don't yeah, mind yeah. the I, I would like
2: to I would I would also I also want y'all to know that somehow Rod, y'all listen to Trick Minutes, y'all see that Rod found their way to include swords in the episode that he wrote.
1: Yeah, listen. <laughs> Y'all know my y'all know my y'all know my bars when you see them. That's all you know. <laughs> try to get some stuff in there every time. Try
0: to sneak some stuff through.
1: <laughs> but yeah, man, check, check out Drake. I the just manias. realized that. Check out Drake Tomaniacs, man. Uh, I'm really proud of it and I think we really got some good stuff cooking. I'm
0: excited. And
1: I'm excited about it too. Tuesday, y'all. Tuesday. Yeah. And, uh, thanks for coming on, Mike. I've been a fan. I've seen your, your, your your threads online for a long time. Um, I I had no idea that, uh, you even knew, uh, the blackout took that you knew who I was and all that stuff. So, I assume
0: most people don't know who we are. Yeah.
1: So it (laughs) was, that was, that was like a cool moment, uh, a full circle moment. And you gotta come back. Uh, especially right before your book drops, so we can mm-hmm. we can push the book as well, man.
2: All right, man. Thank you all for having me. Anytime. I've, I've, I've always known who you were.
1: Uh, <laughs> 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 all right, y'all. We'll talk to y'all uh, throughout the week. Until next time, I love you. I love you too. Mwah.